Hey, well, it is great to be with you and looking forward to next Sunday, Be the Church Sunday. It's going to, a lot of people say it's the best Sunday of the year because you get to, to go out and serve other people. I'll talk about that a little bit more in the service. I want you to keep praying for, it was in the, the feed earlier, but keep praying for these 12 that are in Guatemala. Uh, yesterday they left here, was with them about uh, noon and 12.30 when they left to go to the airport, and they sat at the airport for hours because the wheel of the plane melted in the heat. And uh, so their flight was delayed, and they got in at like, I think it was 3 or 4 a.m. into Guatemala today, which, which I was talking to a couple of these girls. They, they were going in 2019, and their flight got canceled, and they couldn't go. They canceled the trip, so they said, ah, it's okay. We'll just go in 2020. And that didn't happen, <laughs> and neither could they go in 2021. So some of them have been trying to go for years, and again, visiting our another international partner we have there. Food for the Hungry, um, bringing um, Bibles, uh, electronic Bibles for people to listen to the Word of God for the first time in their own language and doing a VBS with the kids and they're helping the Food for the Hungry helps with malnutrition and um, teaching Bible in these little Mayan villages and it's just, just awesome what God's doing there. And so just pray that God will use them and that God will work in their hearts as well. When you go to serve other people, a lot of times you find out that God works in your own heart even more. Um, speaking of service, our small groups are going to start up in September. That's not too far away. If you are interested in leading a small group or having one in your home, please contact us and let us know. You can talk to me. You can fill out. There's one of these on that round table as you came in, and you can fill that out. Send me info about small groups, or you can communicate with us there and write us a note. Put that um, at the Welcome Center and that'd be great. Also, this is super exciting. I should have looked it up. It was either six or seven years ago. I think it was six years ago, 2016. We sent 70 people from Montrose to start uh, Bridgewater Church in Tunkhannock. And that 70, uh, January of last year was 175. And that 175 now is averaging over 250 every Sunday. And their auditorium seats 100 people. And so they are just packed and running out of space. They have three parking spaces, okay? So 250 people, 260 people, three parking spots. They park at the, the post office. If you've been there, they park across the street and other businesses. Thankfully, we meet on Sunday morning when they're closed. And uh, so God is doing just great things. People are getting saved and giving their lives to Christ. And that's what those six flowers were about, just people. Uh, we believe that, that at... at some point in your life, everyone needs to make a decision to surrender their life to God. And so we've seen people do that in their 80s. We've seen people do that as, as children and teenagers. And that's what our mission is. And God is doing that in a huge way in Tunkhannock. And so they have run out of room. They're going to start doing three services in September at 8 o'clock, 9.30 and 11. And um, for the pastor, that's not a big deal because once you preach a message, I can preach it like seven times. You know, just I'll just keep going. Um, but for the volunteers, that's tough. So the band comes in at 7. They might have to come in at 6 a.m. now um, on Sunday, and then they're there till noon. And we did that here in Montrose before we moved up here. And it's exciting, but it's not a long-term thing for volunteers. There are big churches that do like seven, church, seven services, but they're big churches and they pay everybody. We don't we don't pay. We pay the worship leader a little bit. Everybody else just volunteers their time, just like many of you. So anyway, so, so we are looking to buy property 
down there. And uh, this, this is a piece, they have a, they've had a search committee looking for, for suitable property. This is um, 119 State Route 92. So if you know Tunkhannock, you know where Dunkin' Donuts is? If you go past Dunkin' Donuts and you pass the John Deere store, this is like 100, 100 feet, 100 yards past the John Deere store uh, on the same side of the street on uh, State Route 92. Five acres of land. Um, it's right next to the Bob Schultz uh, Community Park with baseball fields. If I were going to build a church building and I could build it anywhere, I would build it right next to the community park so you could use it and, and be involved in that way. So, so that's where it's at. There's actually 16,000 square feet. Just to give you an idea, this building with the kids' ministry and everything is 16,900 square feet. So it, is, it doesn't look big, but it is huge. Five acres. They have three parking spots now. They'll have 60 um, when this is purchased. I'm, I'm mentioning this to you because Bridgewater is one church in five locations and online, which makes six locations, so I can't forget them. Um, but uh, so, so we, as Bridgewater, are looking into buying this property and renovating it. The total cost for all of that would be $850,000. And uh, the great thing is we, we were... About four or five years ago, we were about $2 million in debt. Most of it was on this building. And people in Tunkhannock and the other campuses helped pay for our mortgage. And now we have an opportunity to help pay for their mortgage. Now, $850,000, we are going to vote in two weeks about, about borrowing up to that much money. But I really don't think at all that we're going to borrow that much money. Because we have some in savings, and then uh, in the fall, we're going to really have a fun drive to try to encourage everyone from all of our campuses, about 1,500 different attenders in, in all these different places, to help, help raise money for this. And I think as it comes in, we're not going to be able to you buy it first, and then we probably won't be able to break ground in, in, in renovating things until the spring. And, and so hopefully, we'll, we won't even have to borrow anything. But um, if we do borrow, and, and even just buying the property requires a congregational vote because we're a congregational church, all the big decisions uh, are, are in your hands, not some hierarchy. And so in two weeks, we're going to vote on this, and it'll just be at, at the Welcome Center as you come in. There are little sheets like this at the Welcome Center that have more information and then definitely talk to any of the pastors here. If you have more questions, uh, call us, email us, and we'd love to help you with that. I am just really excited about what God is doing in Tunkhannock. It, it is now our third largest campus, even though it's our most recent one that we started. The most recent one we started was online. But before that, um, it, was, it was the most recent one. And, um, and yet now it's, it's larger than Conklin, it's larger than Vestal. And only Halstead and here in Montrose are bigger, and they have the absolute smallest building. Um, so, so this is definitely something that's needed. And um, all right, that's kind of an announcement. Now let's get into what we're talking about. Who is the greatest? If you want to spark controversy, I did it a little bit before the service, um, with, with uh, someone who loves sports, just ask them, who's the greatest to have ever played? Hockey. Was it Wayne Gretzky or was it Bob Orr? I don't even know who Bob Orr was. I just looked him up. Um, you know, or, or baseball. Baseball has so many different positions. Willie Mays is what the one guy was saying. And, uh, you know, there's, of course, Babe Ruth and, 
you know, all sorts of other, other, you know, baseball players that might be in the running. I love basketball, so I'm doing the basketball. Who is the greatest of all time? This is LeBron James. Nobody thinks he's the greatest of all time, okay? But, but he is a really good player, and he is like a man among boys. And he makes enormous, jacked basketball players look like little boys, because he is just huge. But others will point to this guy as the greatest in all time in basketball, Wilt Chamberlain, seven foot tall and was so athletic, could jump out of the gym. Like uh, he, one particular NBA game, he scored 100 points. Okay, once someone scores like 70, you kind of know the play. You double team him, you triple team him. It didn't matter. Like he just, they, he was just unstoppable. And, um, of course, most think the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, the air. You know, the, it looks like he flies. It's just crazy. You know, and then, oh, who put that there? It's a picture of me. Oh, I don't know who thought I was the... Actually, I put that there. I have an impressive 60-inch vertical leap off of a 48-inch stepladder. So the Slovak slammer... I have never been called, but anyway, well, too much midriff. Didn't I should have tucked it before I did that? But anyway, you know, the greatest in basketball was never me. And the truth is, like, none of us here, none of us here is going to be accused of being the greatest at anything. Honestly, right? Greatest businessman, Rockefeller, Musk. That's not going to be us. Greatest president, whatever your field is, medical field, educational field. What we are not, none of us are going to be the greatest of all time. Ironically and surprisingly, we could be the greatest in what is most important, the greatest human being to ever live, obviously next to Jesus. And uh, Jesus said something about John the Baptist being either, you know, next after him or third. And, and that, so, so what we want to talk about today is Jesus tells us two ways that we can literally be the greatest human being on earth today. There's going to be about 8 billion people on earth come this fall by their estimates. 8 billion people and you could be the greatest. How do you get there? Well, here's where Jesus talks about that. It says they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished. And while those who followed were afraid, and, and reading this in context in the original language, it seems like those are the same people. So the disciples and those who followed, same group of people, they're all following, and they're both astonished or surprised and terrified. Why? And again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. So a couple reasons why. Last time he was in Jerusalem, uh, Jesus was almost murdered. There's a group of, of religious leaders called Pharisees, and Jesus said that he and the Father were one. He was claiming to be God. They picked up rocks, and they were going to kill him. And the disciples are probably talking, remember last time we went to Jerusalem? And they were going to kill Jesus, and I don't even know how we got out of that one. That, that, was, that was really risky. And so this wasn't this homecoming march. This wasn't like, hey, we're going on vacation. We're going to Jerusalem. This was like, we're going into the lion's den. This is the most dangerous place we could possibly go to, and we're on our way. And so there's, they're terrified about that. But then he also says that Jesus again took them aside and told them what is, was going to happen. And as we see, he's going to say, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be, be spit upon. I'm going to be whipped, and I'm going to be killed and die. 
Like, well, that's a good pep talk. <laughs> and so they're, they're confused and they're afraid. And Jesus gathers them together and he says, we're going up to Jerusalem. He said, and the Son of Man, that was a term he used to refer to himself often, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. And the disciples were confused and surprised. Like, that's the plan? Like I, you, you talk about your kingdom and, and, and how your kingdom is forever and, and this is the kingdom plan, death? Well, I, I don't get it. And then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. So on the heels of this super serious conversation, essentially it would be like, like if, if you went to a friend of yours and said, you know what, I, I have bad news to tell you. I have cancer. And the doctor's given me like two months to live, and he says it's going to be bad. It's in my bones. He said I very well might roll over in bed and break my back in three places, and, and it's just eating away, and it's going to be brutal, and it's going to be awful, and in two months, man, I'm going to be dead. And then your friend goes, yeah, 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 I got a favor to ask you. Could you do a favor for me? Like, what? I mean, that is so self-centered, it's ugly, it's embarrassing. You're like, what? what? What are you thinking? And well, they're thinking about themselves. And his response, very patient, what do you want me to do for you? He asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now, this is actually a good thing, what they're asking. Uh, to be, they're saying, boy, we want to be right next to you, Jesus, forever, like and in your kingdom and as you rule. And man, we want to be just close to you. If, if that was actually the mentality they had, it would have been a wonderful request, but that's not really what they're getting at, is it? They didn't really want to be close to Jesus. They wanted to be close to glory. That's what they wanted. You're, you're a king. You have a kingdom and, and we want to be number two and three, right, right behind you. Can, can you do that for us, Jesus? Can you appoint us right now as vice president and prime minister or whatever it might be, you know, the, the second and third guy? And Jesus goes on to explain what being great really is because they had a backwards view of what true greatness is. And if we want to be the greatest, we need to listen to these two things that Jesus says, if you do these two things, you will be the greatest person on earth to the degree that you do these things. And the first thing he says is the greatest sacrifices for others. And he just got done telling them about that, but they missed it. And so he goes over this again. He says, you don't know what you're asking. You have no clue. You, you disciples, it's a bunch of guys in spiritual kindergarten, and you're arguing about valedictorian. Do you know what it takes to become valedictorian? He says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? There was uh, 12 people I just saw over at the, in, in that room over there taking our baptism and our membership class right now. To be baptized means to be immersed. And so he says, can you be immersed in what I'm about to be immersed in? Because what I'm about to be immersed in is pain and the cross and humiliation. Are you, are you up for total immersion and humiliation and pain? And they answered so quickly, it reinforces what Jesus said, which is they have no idea what he's talking about. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could drink. We could drink what you drink. Yeah, what, whatever. We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. And, and James, of all the disciples, he was the first one to be killed for loving other people and for following Jesus. He was the first to be killed. John was the only one not to be killed, but he was beaten multiple times. He was imprisoned for years of his life for following Jesus and telling others about him and loving people. And so Jesus says, you will. Yeah, you're right. You don't know what you're talking about, but, but you will suffer as I have. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong for, to those for whom they've been prepared. So this goes into how God knows everything. And he's got a plan all laid out. And he knows already who's going to be the greatest next to him, who's going to be third greatest, who's going to be fourth. He, he knows it already. And he's telling James and John, I'm not going to tell you right now who's taking those positions. And you're not going to get them just because you had the audacity to ask me right now. He says, that's already been decided. It's already been prepared. And so what he's saying, though, is if you want to be in those positions, two things you need to do. Number one, you need to sacrifice for others. And number two, to the extent you serve others is to the extent that you're the greatest. And he says, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. That means they were ticked at him. They were angry. And they weren't angry because they were so self-focused and to say, you know, to, to be that like, you know, awkward, ugly request after Jesus just, you know, they, they, weren't, they weren't angry at him because they were thinking about Jesus' feelings. They were angry because they hadn't thought of it first, because they beat them to the punch. They were indignant with him, and Jesus called them together, and he's like, all right, we need a huddle here. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's, Gentiles just means non-Jews. So almost everybody here, I'm a Gentile, almost all of us are Gentiles. Um, and he says, you know how the world works. In our world, people with power use it. And they tell people without power to do what they want. In our world, right, people with authority, they, they, they order around those who have no authority. That's just the way it works. And we all know that's the way it works. And he's saying here, that, that's not the way I want it to work with you. Not so with you. Instead of whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And so that, that is just not how things are, right? In our world, I mean, in fact, there, there is echoes of this, though, in our culture, do you know what another phrase for being a politician is? You're going into public service. I said that in the first service and several people laughed. Public service. That's not what politicians do. That's not what they're about, serving. No, they, they, get, they get this posh job, you know, consulting after they retire and, and they get to, to reward their friends and punish their enemies and they, you know, and they get all this power and all that and but Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way it is. The greatest person is not the person with power. The greatest person is the person who serves. And he goes on to talk about himself. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Jesus died on the cross. He didn't just serve with his life. He served through his death. He served us and paid for our sins so that if we, were to ask, that if we just ask him, God, will you punish Jesus instead of me? Will Jesus be my Savior? And I will make you my Lord. I will give you my life. I mean, that is how we're saved. That is how we begin a relationship with God. That is the most important decision. And it all comes from the fact that Jesus lived his life and died serving others. And he is the greatest. And so to be the greatest is to be like Jesus. This was totally foreign in the Roman world at that time. I mean, to be the greatest... You, you, you would just show, you would make someone wait. I saw that recently uh, Vladimir Putin was meeting with uh, Erdogan, I forget how to say his name, but the president of Turkey. And you know what Tur- the Turkish president did? He made him wait and wait and wait and wait just to show, yeah, Putin, you're on the low rung now. You need my help. I don't need yours. I'll make you wait. And then he comes in and Putin's got to be like, ah! glad you showed, you know, just this whole power thing, this whole power play. That's how our world works. You don't serve. No, you show, you show where you are and, and where they are. And Jesus says it's the exact opposite. And, and deep down, actually, despite how the world works, we all know this is true, that the great are actually the servants. In fact, Jake is here and had this plan before I'd even know he was in the country to talk about this. But this last Easter on April 24th of 2022, uh, there were individuals from the Hope for Korah that they serve, lepers, widows, who were invited by the, they call him the prime minister there, but he's the equivalent of the president of the United States of Ethiopia. This guy on the far right is the prime minister of Ethiopia. He invited all these people to come on Easter Sunday so he could serve them food. Why did he do that? Well, maybe because he knows what power is for or maybe because he knew it would be a great photo op. And there was people with cameras and video and they were actually ordering him around. His handlers were like, all right, there's, there's a kid without legs over there. I want you to go over there and I want you to, okay, hold that out. You know, and they're getting all that. But why did he do that? Because we know deep down, greatness is not in exercising the power and your rights. Greatness really is is when you lay aside your rights and lay aside your power and serve those who are around you. And when we get to heaven, some of the people closest to Jesus are the people quickest to unplug a, dirt, a plugged up toilet. People quickest to go to into a public restroom and see, you know, we've all done it. You open the door and you're like, not that one, <laughs> right? And you go to the next one. I think people closest to Jesus, they'll look at that and they'll be like, you know what? And you get the toilet paper out and you wipe someone else's crap off the, off the whatever, because serving, you're like, I couldn't do that. That's disgusting. I'd have to, wa-. hopefully you're washing your hands anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, but this, and Jesus lived this, this humble stance of, of uh, treating other people like they were more important than him, when in reality, he was the most important person to ever visit earth. 
but he treated other people like they were more important. He went up to lepers, and he could have healed lepers from a distance. Hey, leper over there, you're healed. Okay. He didn't do that. He could have healed them first and then hugged them. He didn't do that. The Bible says one of the times he healed a leper, he touched him while he was contagious, while he smelled. One of the things Jake didn't tell you, but you go to Cora. It reeks. It is on a garbage dump of Addis Ababa, several million people, largest city in Ethiopia, and they dump their garbage, and that's why Cora is there. And they smell, and there's disease, and Jesus, like many of those aid workers there, and Jake and others, would go give him a hug. And then he healed him. And, and in a little bit, he does this with his disciples. He gets a towel out, and he washes their feet. Smelly and dirty from the, the cows and the horses that go through town, and they're only wearing sandals, and, you know, it's everywhere. And, just, and he washes their feet because the greatest serve. Humility is not just a part of service. It's the heart of service, this idea of, of, of treating others better and more importantly than you treat yourself. So what will make Montrose great? Or if you're watching online, whatever community you're from, or maybe you're here in Montrose, but you're like, man, what will make Fairdale great? What will make Nicholson great? Or wherever you're, you're, you're... Jesus just told us. A place is as great as the people, the amount they serve and sacrifice for others. What will make your life great? The, the, the degree to which you're willing to serve and sacrifice for others. And that's why next week we're doing Be the Church Sunday because we won't want to just be a church that talks a good game and that comes and we read about what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to follow Jesus and we never get around to actually doing it because we're so busy studying it. You know, so next Sunday we're not going to sing any songs. I'm not going to preach any messages we're going to just come here different, okay? We're going to meet at 9, all right? So some of you got to get up earlier. <laughs> We're going to meet at 9. There, there's, I think, one or two groups that are meeting at 7 somewhere else, but you already know about that if you're part of those groups. But most of us, we're meeting at 9. We're getting a donut, okay? Step one. Actually, if you're a project leader, you're meeting at 8.30. So just we're all set. And you'll come in here, grab a donut, and then there will be stations all around this auditorium, tables with different assignments on them. And you can sign up for one today. That is helpful. If you sign up now, you'll know, should I bring a rake, a paintbrush, or a pick, or a pen? You know, like what tools? There's, there's a spot on the signups where you can look. Maybe the tool you need to bring is a truck. If you don't have a truck, that's okay. But, you know, just sign up for something. See what you need to bring. But, but next Sunday, even if you don't sign up, next Sunday, 9 o'clock, be here, and you can sign up to walk dogs, to clean windows, a free car wash, whatever it might be. We'll put you where you need to go. If you have children, we have children-friendly projects, projects like cleaning the rail trail, um, not, not like cleaning the roads on Route 29. That is not a children-friendly project. Or, you know, taking down trees for a blind man. That is not a children-friendly project. needs to be done, not with seven-year-olds, okay? So, but there are children-friendly projects you can go with. We will have preschool and nursery here to drop your kids off if you're comfortable doing that or you can bring them with you on a children-friendly one. Um, if you're on the other end of things and you're a little bit older and you're not really ready to go, you know, lift 
stones or something, um, we, we're going to have tables here for you to, to, to write and do some other things that, you know, you don't, you, all you have to be able to do is walk in the building and, and you can do something to serve other people. So, so that's, that's the plan. Um, trying to think if there's anything I missed. Uh, online, there's a link for the, in the chat so that you can be involved to do some things from home as well. And uh, so you can sign up and be a part. And then at 11 o'clock, we're going to come back here. And there's going to be a lunch prepared for you, hot dogs and hamburgers and potato salads and stuff like that. So uh, there's a crew that are going to put that together here. So come back. Now, now the lunch will be from 11 to 1. So some of you, as you get out there, you, you might be like, we're not done. And so you might, instead of working until 1045 and driving back, maybe you'll work till. 1230, right? But then take a break, come back so we can celebrate as people are coming and going, what did you do? Oh man, I was, I was helping this individual out and putting a railing on the ramp that she had. And you know, that was really neat to meet that old, older lady. And what did you do? Well, I did this. So we can talk about what I did, what you did, and what God did. And um, that, that, that's the plan. I just want to close with two stories uh, about last year. This is the sixth time we're doing this. Uh, we stopped doing it for a while. Last year was our first time back at it, 30-some projects. One of them was for Bonnie Swanson, and she was sitting right about where Louise Chalker is sitting right now in the first service. And I did not know Bonnie a year ago. Um, but Bonnie had someone living in her house who destroyed it, and it was unlivable. And she's like, what do I do? I can't fix it. I don't know how to fix stuff, and, and I can't really, it's not a livable place anymore. Um, maybe I need to sell it, but what am I going to get for it? I'm not going to get anything because it's, it's just been demolished. And um, we, we heard about this need, and Matt Thomas got a crew together, and he's sitting right there. And I think you got some guys from the Votech school at Elk Lake. Did they help? Yeah. And yeah, some of the students and, and some others from the church, and they went there, and, and I think they would describe it as minor repairs, Maybe it was more than minor. It was a major deal to her, yeah, and took a lot of preparation, and, and it's a livable place now, and, just, and she was so grateful. She's been here almost every week since. And not only that, but her grandson has been, is a foster child now for another couple in, in the church, and they, they bring, she brings her grandson to church almost every week. And I had an opportunity to go see her son in prison multiple times and talk to him because we did be the church Sunday and just, and just showed that, you know what, here's a group of people that don't want to just talk about Jesus. We actually want to follow him and, and make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, God is still working in that family and just, just awesome. Another, another family I um, want to talk about is... Uh, now I'm forgetting her name, McCollum, Shirley McCollum. So Guy and Jen and Jonah Ely went to Shirley McCollum's house, and she was an elderly lady, and her daughter was living with her, and they had a lot of yard work that needed to be done. So they, they cut out, you know, dead branches and picked up brush and weed whacked, and I think they might have even mowed, and, and just, because like last year wasn't like this year, it actually rained, <laughs> and, and everything was overgrown, and they just, they just made it beautiful. And Shirley came out, and she was like, 
It is so beautiful. She used to love doing yard work, but she just physically hasn't been able to. And she's like, oh, it just looks perfect. And it just meant so much to her. And in April of this year, uh, Shirley's daughter came to me and said, uh, my mom passed away. Would you do her funeral? And so I had the opportunity in front of all of her family in sharing the gospel and saying, you know what? That this is how we can have a relationship with God and you need to accept what Jesus did for you. It's not about what we do, it's about what he do, he's done to be your savior and we need to give our lives to him in gratitude and never would have had that opportunity if Guy and Jen and Jonah, they actually, I think they were there till like five. Like they were there, like they, they went above and beyond the call of duty. Maybe it was three. They were there a long time and um, just helping her out. God, do you want to have an oversized impact in this community? If you do, Jesus told us the way to get there is we serve and um, we sacrifice for others. In fact, along those lines, I got to wrap it up. Um, The Blueberry Festival is a fundraiser for the local library. Last year, we raised over $6,000 for them by giving away literally over a ton of food ice cream and blueberry buckle. And so we need people to work for that. But we have, we have 46, actually we have 58 pans of blueberry buckle out there with recipes, empty pans with a recipe. And we need people to, I just talked an unfortunate couple who are great bakers and cooks into taking 12, okay, 12 pans. Um, I was not sure if 10 or 12, but I counted. You need 12 which leaves only 46 more pans to be done. So if you would be willing to bake for that, we need it August 4th, which is Thursday at the Old Church Building, or early uh, Friday morning, August 5th, 9 o'clock is when we start uh, selling the buckle. And uh, we, we need about 900 to 1,000 pounds of buckle, about half a ton. And so if you would do that, that would be another great way to serve uh, great fundraiser. We get none of it. It really just goes to the local library, and we're glad we can be in the community like that. So um, let's close in prayer before we dismiss. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that we can come here and just be reminded about what's important and what we need to do and what you want us to do. And uh, God, I, I just, God, help us to be great as individuals, as a church as a community, as a nation, Lord, and and just to be upside down opposite from what everybody else seems to want and be doing. Lord, help us to be servants, to sacrifice. God, use next Sunday in a huge, oversized way. Lord, may may it be like the feeding of the 5,000. May the 30-some projects we do or however many projects we do May you just multiply that like, like it'd be like we did, a, we did a thousand projects because of the impact it makes in people's lives. And then, and then just to see multiplication, to see, see others, see Jesus in those who are, are involved next week and, and want to follow Jesus themselves. And um, God, I just, I just thank you for, for your word. I thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for so much that you've given us. Help us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.